result of the outbreak, your city or entire region may be endangered by a lethal agent. If conditions at your location make this a possibility, you need to consider staying in place until the threat has subsided or blown over. It's in our DNA. We choose the way of earth. We choose the right people we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with earth and a way not to live with earth. We choose the way of earth. My name is Ansley Jemison, and this is the Original People's Podcast. The Ongwehongwe is what we call ourselves, the original people. This podcast was designed and developed under the idea and the concept of that many of you may not know indigenous people. Many of you may not have ever had any experience with an indigenous person. The only kind of experience you've ever had may have been in a bad movie, or you might have read about us one time in a history book or something like that. But by and large, people believe that we are gone. Well, guess what, folks? We are still here. We're proud. We're a strong people. We've been influencing you folks for a long time. And we just want to kind of bring out these stories, talk to people that are from the communities, artists, cultural, preservationists, cool people. Let's get their stories. Let's find out what they're up to. Let's hear who they are and what it is to be an indigenous person in contemporary times and to have that indigenous identity. And what does that mean? So with me today, we have an artist from the Tuscarora Nation. She's of the Beaver Clan. And she's an artist who was recently featured in the juried art show here at Ganondigan State Historic Site, where I'm actually broadcasting today. And she had a really nice piece in the show. And today she's set up as part of a winter games or a winter, uh, excuse me, arts festival. And she's doing pretty well in, with sales at the table. So... She must be doing something right. She must be doing some cool things. And um, I've never met her before, and I wanted to kind of sit down with her and talk to her a little bit about what some of her processes are, um, who she is, where she comes from, and uh, what's her hustle all about. So please introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and then we'll kind of go from there. Hello, my name is Jennifer Del Monte, um, Tuscarora, Beaver Clan. Uh, I've, I grew up in the city of Buffalo. I've never lived on the reservation. But. The mean streets of Buffalo, New York? Yeah. All right. <laughs> They'll mold you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you never lived on the reservation? No. Primarily grew up in the city, but still had an understanding and a, know, a knowledge of the fact that you're an indigenous person. Yes. What was that like? Uh, well, my grandmother was from Tuscarora. She grew up on Tuscarora Nation. Um, my grandfather was Stan Hill. He was a bone carver. Um, Very famous, legendary bone carver. Yeah. Um... Growing up in the city, sometimes uh, you can be a little detached from your culture, and I found that a lot growing up, and I was so happy that I was submerged in it from a young age um, because of my grandfather being an artist, and we still have, you know, tons of family in the res, so it was it was nice to be have that connection that some people didn't. Yeah, absolutely. So you're still connected, still at an understanding of yourself, and I mean, in, in Tuscarora to Buffalo, it's not like from Tuscarora to New York City. Correct. I mean, it's it's pretty travel. It's easily traveled. It's not yeah. too far. Um, what was the reason? Why did your family choose to live in the Buffalo area? Was it for work reasons, or why? I mean, because that's a big reason why a lot of indigenous families leave territory is for opportunities in big cities, things like that. And yeah, 
So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, well, my grandfather uh, moved his family off the reservation um, for business purposes. He owned an ironworking company, or co-owned it, um, and put up a lot of buffalo. <laughs> uh, and so, he had the ironworker tradition of oh, you yeah. know, climbing the steel and yes. you know, hanging yeah, steel. Yeah, he was Mohawk, so Mohawks are known for their, their steel workers. Absolutely. Um, so he, yeah, they moved off and uh, lived on Grand Island for all my life, and my, my mother's life and her brother's. Um, so yeah, he moved off for business reasons and uh, wanted a little bit better life for his family. Mm -hmm. and, so. and not as many opportunities on the reservation as what you're kind of saying in terms right. of like, you know, having a business or a company or something like that, mm -hmm. but putting himself where he had more of an advantage or an opportunity to be able to kind of maybe even draw better talent, you know, to help work with him and, and do that type of stuff. Um, he, he had a lot of foresight and uh, he could see uh, what he needed to do in the future for his family. And uh, he tried to make the right choices and I think he did. So, Gotcha. Very cool. So which brings me to your art. Um, you know, obviously being immersed in the family tradition and the culture and things like that, having an artist, grandfather. Um, you saw a lot of the cultural symbolisms, motifs, designs, things like that. How did those speak to you, and how does that come out in your art? Um, well, I use a lot of our symbolism in my art. Um, and, and there are just some basic few designs that everybody uh, can use. Um, they're universal. Um, it always spoke to who I am. And, and if I can express that in my art, that's, where, that's what makes me happy. This, it's not my full-time job. I wish it was, um, but especially now with all the um, causes and the things that are going on in the world now, I'm, I'm much more influenced. So causes, I see that there's two pieces on your table and even the mask that you're wearing right now. Um, one speaks to the residential school situation that's been happening across Canada and now being kind of... Um, detected and understood here in the states, I guess, stateside. Um, and then the other one is the mask that you're wearing is the missing and murdered indigenous women. Yes. Um, a couple of, I guess those are a couple of movements that you're now speaking to that are contemporary kind of issues, movements, challenges. Right. Speak a little bit more about that and what your experiences are. Well, I, I have a criminal justice degree. Okay. So I'm technically in law enforcement. That's my nine to five. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm passionate about the law and things like that also. Um, and what's right and what's wrong. Hmm. Um, and I've always been that way. I've always been outspoken and passionate and, and I want to do good for people. And um, so those those causes speak to me because of that, because of who I am as a person. And uh, that's why I, I like to do the art that reflects that. So it's sort of through law enforcement also doing a little bit of maybe social justice as well. Yes. And that's sort of something that not people really don't think of, you know, in a lot of ways, in a right. lot of times. I mean, there's almost kind of that us versus them sort of mentality right. with the social justice and the mm -hmm. law enforcement side. But, I mean, you're talking about a duality that is real mm -hmm. and that's embodied in a person who also comes from an indigenous lens, mm -hmm. which is sort of a unique sort of situation as well. So how does that inform you as a... It's as definitely, um, I feel like it's a, it's a benefit to the people because uh, I can see it from all sides. Mm. And it makes me a very well-rounded person, so that I am fair when I as just living my life. I'm fair to people, you know. Um, it's it's definitely unique. It's a unique experience because um, 
being on, on the indigenous side of law enforcement can be challenging. Mm. Um, you know, there's a, there's a code and things like that, but um, I, I, I can follow the rules but remain true to who I am at the same time. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's got to definitely create some, some challenging moments and challenging conversations. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people always talk about Thanksgiving time um, being a, a difficult place where, like, coming together as family and things like that and trying to tiptoe around the landmines that family conversations can get into and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, how do you navigate those spaces and how do you navigate difficult conversations when, you know, there's all the sort of conversation around, you know, defund the police and things like that, which I think is, you know, a really foolish sort of idea and movement, but, yeah. you know, what are better ways that we can do law enforcement? What are better ways that we can kind of think outside of what traditional law enforcement has been built to become through that code that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. um, but how do you tiptoe around some of these conversations and how do you, how do you reconcile that within yourself? Uh, well, first of all, I, I think that the best way to make change is from the inside out. So we need more indigenous people in those kind of positions in life so that we can make the changes. Because if, if you keep attacking it from the outside, it's, it's not gonna change. Um, so as, as far as holidays and things like that at home, I have um, three biracial children. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we do a lot of teaching on both sides of our culture. And um, it's important that my, my boys know who they are uh, at a young age so that they can grow up and have confidence because our people didn't have that for so long. They didn't know who they were, their culture and their uh, identity was trying to take them away. And, uh, and that was for the residential schools. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, so, col and colonization largely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's in, it's really important to me that my, my children grow up with that foundation, that strong foundation. Absolutely. And so, you know, when you're speaking of like having raising biracial sons, um, the, the challenge is there with the dualities of, of those identities, both, you know, one's a African-American identity, the other's an indigenous identity, and both have been oppressed in many different ways. Um, how are you building up strong young men? Uh, well, I, I definitely... Is it all men? Is it all boys? All excuse boys. Me. Okay, excuse yep. me. Um, one of my sons is, well, both of my sons are an artist, and I have some of his work with me as well. Um, but it was important to me to make sure that they knew both sides mm. because um, if you if you don't know, like say you're biracial and you don't know one side of you, you kind of have that part missing your whole life. Yeah. And if you can have that foundation of, of knowing all your culture and all your background, that just makes a stronger person and then they, you grow up with more confidence. Well, I, you know, I had a brief moment just speaking with your husband downstairs and um, seems like a really good guy, really genuine person. and. Yeah. I think the foundation really that you're referring to is having two really solid parents, you know, people who have good moral compass and judgment and things like that and instilling that early on. It doesn't matter, you know, color of your skin or background or whatever else, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, I mean, people are going to judge you based on those things, you know, that's just how people are wired, I guess, in that way. However, I think that, you know, the two of you together, the, the two of you that you're, what you're instilling in them in terms of ideas and just being good people and things like that. Um, but then also showing them and guiding them that there's a way that you can have identities and express yourself and find some joy mm -hmm. within that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be powerful. And so 
what are things that you've seen that have come out of your children in terms of the art that they're talking about and how they're expressing themselves? I mean, are you seeing sort of that duality with those those cultures and, and those backgrounds? And is there is there something that there, there has to be something beautiful that's coming out of that? There certainly is. Uh, my oldest, he does work for both sides of his culture, and he expresses it in his in his art. Uh, so I'm really proud of that. He's been winning awards, and he's he's doing really well. That's um, cool. And uh, I, I've always been. I've always been proud of how they're they're passionate as well, like I am. Um, that that passion comes out in their art and how they carry themselves every day. They're they're really good, strong young men. So, yeah. Very um, good. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. That's that's you. great. And. Um, <laughs> So tell me a little bit about your art then, again. Um, so you're kind of mixed media, mm -hmm. um, I see. I mean, you do some painting, mm -hmm. um, and you also do, I saw earrings on the table, and there's carvings, I yeah. believe, as well. So tell me a little bit about that. I do a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, I just started painting about seven years ago. Wow. Um, before that, I was just doing basic arts and crafts like I was always taught. We, we've done shows my whole life. And um, so I do, I do beadwork. I do... Uh, wood burning. Um, I have dabbled in the bone carving like my grandpa. Um, Very cool. So yeah, it's just I. Not a little, not a lot of women carvers, by the way. I mean, there like, isn't, and I want. I would love to do it more. Uh, yeah. Just to have the time, but like I said, I have a nine to five, and then, and then trying to squeeze all this in, it's it's tough to find the time. How, how do you do that? I mean, like, so you you know you're a nine to five, so. You're in law enforcement, so what, what level of law enforcement are you in? What are you uh, doing? I'm a New York State Peace Officer and Code Enforcement Official. Okay. So, okay. Um, and so then, so that's that's the 9 to 5, that's the bread and butter and everything like that, and then mm -hmm. the side hustle with the art and everything like that is your expressive, you know, opportunity. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure it brings in extra money and things like that, mm -hmm. but, you know, really it's, is it therapeutic? I mean, dealing oh, with, like, the stuff that you're doing, like, on the day-to-day, -day, I mean, is that what For this? For sure. Okay. That's my outlet. Um, I have to be creative or you know because my my job doesn't allow me that creativity on a daily so um, when I can sit there and, and create art and, and have my voice heard that way that's satisfying to me awesome and so again like for you going out and you know like you said you've been doing festivals or crafts you know tables and things like that in a lot of different places I mean is that another opportunity for you to connect with other indigenous artists other indigenous people and things like that to either bounce ideas off from or what does it do for you? For sure. I get a lot of influence from other artists. Um, my, one of my techniques in painting I got from uh, Christy Belcourt. Um, she's up in Toronto, I think, mm -hmm. uh, area. I saw her work in the museum up there and I fell in love with it and I was like, that's what I want to do. So I just started picking it up a little here and a little there. And so some of her work is, if you were to see it, would look similar to maybe like the Anishinaabe or Ojibwe, Ojibwe style. Ojibwe, yeah. yeah Ojibwe mm -hmm. style. And, and I picked up on that when I saw your piece. I was like, that's like an Ojibwe style, you know, influence or whatever. It is. Um, and then I tried to like just kind of put uh, our Tuscarora spin on it, you know, because we're known for our beadwork. So that's what the look of the art is supposed to be, like beadwork, the dots and the stippling. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, that's great. I mean, and I think, again, that's just that showing that, you know, the cultures evolve and it's okay to do these, these fusion sort of blends. Yeah. And, you know, and, and oftentimes, I mean, people want to capture indigenous people in these like monolithic sort of like or binary sort of like constructs in a way that like, oh, well, that's only Haudenosaunee or that's only, you know, that's Nishnabe or Ojibwe or whatever. But really, it's like, you know, you're, you're influenced by these people. And I think that that's what happened. And people don't understand that. 
even traditional art and stuff like that was actually influenced by either intermarrying, adoption, whatever that was, that things change, things evolve. I mean, we took on brass kettles as colonization started to happen, so clay pots kind of went out of fashion and right. things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's just, there's always a better way to do something, and, and unless you're influenced by other people and you get that exposure, you're not going to know what that is. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great. I mean, I think it's totally fine, and I think it's, you know, and, and I'm not one to, you know, put a stamp of approval or anything like that, but I'm just saying that it, it's just that natural evolution of, like, expressionism, you know, right. indigeneity and things like that. And so um, more power to you, you know. I mean, I think you're... I think you're it represents growth. I mean, um, if we can continue to learn from each other, we're always going to grow. So everybody has ideas, and, you know, why not take that into consideration all the time? Because... Society likes to block out other people's ideas if it doesn't match theirs, but I think we should all be more uniform in in, in community. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Jennifer, this has been fantastic. I promise you, I wouldn't keep you too long because I know that there's um, you know more opportunities for sales and things like that. But um, I think there's also more opportunity for conversation, you know. And I would love to uh, sit down with you again at some point and um, you know just kind of check in and see how things are going for you. Um, you know, how you're continuing to do all of that you're doing, you know, raising three boys and, you know, being a mom, being a wife and, you know, being a, a creative person, you know, and I think that um, you're doing great in all of them, you know, Thank which you is pretty much. awesome to see and um, to witness in the very short time that I've had with you. I'm, I'm certainly uh, excited and confident that our next conversation is going to be just, just as rich. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Go away. Powers in your heartbeat. Right? Powers in your heartbeat. Power is in your heartbeat.